This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with Roto, Paint, 3D Match Move, or Cleanup, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, Nuke for Flame Artists, Mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. So check out logicacademypro.com. Hey, Duncan. Hey. Hey. Good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, well, for, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your day to come on the, uh, the podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking. Yeah, no problem. Um, I guess let's just dive into it. How how did you get started in post production? <laughs> we're, we're right in there. Yeah, uh, I mean, a very very long time ago is is the start of my story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and sort of embarrassingly so. But the um, well, I, I started off straight from school. I, I left quite early. It's, um, and actually, I, I started a sm- uh, in a small production company in Scotland, and so we could have. Um, oh, okay. It was a it was quite an in quite a nice way in in that um, I w- wanted to. I thought I would just stay in a school and become an accountant, and my dad kind of <laughs> I kind of thought I probably, you know, will you really enjoy being an accountant? And I said, well, oh, yeah, it sounds like pays well. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad sort of talked me into well, not not talked me into, but he said, "Well, you know, he knew these guys who he'd just done a sort of corporate video with, and they were looking for like a at the time there was a thing in the UK called the, the YTS, which was basically kind of a government incentive for uh, cheap labour, effectively, but 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 apprenticeships. Okay. And um, so I I went there for a sort of summer job, kind of liked it, and decided to stay there. So I started there when I was fifteen before I became. 16 and and sort of stayed there for five years and then set up a company with another guy and then wow. uh, from there we kind of moved to um a bigger post-production company in in edinburgh and still in scotland and i guess that i mean that's where well that's where i got my hands on edit box um i mean i was there yeah that was the that was the that was one of the vfx turning points but exactly that but uh, i was an editor there and an online editor and so and it was all going quite well, it went very well. And then my my dad passed away, and, and it it was sort of just after that that it so I decided to leave the comfortable version of what I had going on to try and just go freelance. So I just went to London. Uh, it was a bit of a you know kind of. I mean, looking back on it, it was definitely a bit of an emotional shakeup that made meant I took some risks well a big risk of kind of not having a job basically yeah <laughs> right right <laughs> and, uh, and going to a city you probably weren't too familiar with right no, like, no didn't know didn't know many people there yeah I, yeah <laughs> a, a, a couple a couple of people i mean it's, it's almost 40 years now when i since i started so so there's a few bits in the middle but from there and a few years after being freelance i was a director at a company and we we then sort of took uh the plunge and bought a flame 
So, so effectively, wow. it was about it was in that kind of realm of Flame had been around for a bit. Some of the hard lifting had already been done. It was getting a bit more user friendly, and that's when I jumped into uh, into Flame. And um, your question about post production, it, it started at fifteen. You know, I mean, wow, that's amazing, and and, and all different. But different paths, I guess, and all different genres of of work. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I actually somewhat similar. I started probably around fifteen too. I was a little later. Like I was already when I started. You could actually buy software on your for your home computer. You know, this yeah. wasn't you know SGI days or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I started editing in high school, and then kind of I was like, oh, this is pretty fun, and continued down that path but um that's awesome so what was it like up in scotland working in post-production like were you mostly doing films or was it commercials or everything well to begin with i mean so to, to the very beginning it was more uh i don't know if you just Scotland, but it was up up in a, a bit more north north of scotland um and it was a great, a great company called company still around uh, called TVP and and they when I joined them they were doing mostly sort of corporate videos for oil rigs and such. Oh wow! And okay. okay. So there was a lot of safety offshore stuff. You know, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought I thought it, I learned a lot about life and a lot about uh, engineering and a lot about the things that you know are really quite interesting. Yeah. And uh, but 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 you know we also we moved into more television broadcasted stuff. They've gone on to produce a couple of features or written a couple of features and produced one of them themselves and stuff. So that you know, it's 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 all kind of become a different market nowadays. When even when I was at Picardy, who at the time were the biggest post production company in Scotland, we still struggled with getting you know the sort of London work up from London. You know, I mean, that was it was very much from the big cities. You, you know, from the bigger English cities, you could. Yeah. You, it was a struggle. So we, I mean, we did great work actually. Um, but but we managed to do everything in a. We did a bit of everything. We did everything. We, like I said, I was an offline editor. I was an online ed- editor as well. Um, but the company itself did, you know, had sound suites, had offline suites, had online suite, graphic suites, you know, and it was all that kind of. Um, so to to get projects through, you kind of didn't necessarily specialize back then. When I moved to London, however, I was told that, you know, <laughs> you you're going to look like an idiot if you say you can do more than one thing. Right, right. <laughs> I know. I've heard of those stories. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. even back in the early flame days, or sorry, not early flame, but once smoke came around, a lot of the flame artists were like, don't tell anybody you know timeline or you'll just get stuck to doing timeline. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's ridiculous to be able to know more than one thing. I mean, that, <laughs> Right, right. You know, but but it's, it is quite funny. I mean, looking and looking at the whole market now, I mean, everybody's doing many things. And, you know, it's, it, it was, it's sort of ridiculously recently that, you know, that, Yes, this sort of the London sort of vibe has become multi multidisciplined in certain companies, right. whereas that's what we were always were. That's what I grew up with. You know, <laughs> totally, and, and it's that kind of mind thing. The quite interesting thing is, I just I've, I was listening to a book about um, multi hyphen uh, culture, oh. which is oh, uh, okay, which has sort of been uh, slightly it's a great book, uh, but it's 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 been labelled uh, or or sort of the millennial sort of has been has been, it's been deemed as being quite a, a millennial type career path where you you uh, it's, it's also called the slashy uh, mm-hmm. 
so so basically, you know, you you've got three or four different strings to your bow. You know, a creative director, your blog writer. A, a oh writer. right, and, and yes. that that becomes your one that becomes your one career is not one career, and it's all self employed. But you do bits for they they work as a sort of one thing. They they but but they they're not the same, but they bond together into oh that's a cool piece of kind of set, uh, and it made me reminisce again of of how we uh, did it when we were younger growing up in scotland and and, and still do yeah. it now you know yeah it's become that so i i i also think that it's maybe not just millennials that are into that nowadays right right <laughs> totally no that's cool i'll have to check out that book i'll have to get the info I'll send you the link. It's a, it's <laughs> okay that's great so yeah going back to that were you doing projects like were you editing and then also doing the online and then so, like, yeah. you would kind of be the whole yeah package, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Exactly that. I mean, it's it, exactly that. I mean, th- th- we well, I mean, again, different stages of my life, different, slightly different flavors of work, but also of how that that happened. But but if I think back to, for instance, the Picardy days, which is probably the the biggest company, um, they yeah, we would we would do sort of quite a lot of broadcast program, but also commercials and. So I would do the, you know, I'd do the cut, but then I would take it through to the online. And, and you know, the first sort of, when I first joined there, we were using um, a set of, it was nonlinear. It was all D1s oh, with yeah. uh, a GVG kind of mixing desk that looked like, you know, Star Trek, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Star Trek, not new Star Trek. <laughs> right. And, then, and it was, uh, but it was, uh, you know, that, that, that was, I mean, that was a real feat to, get your head around a mad technicality of, of, of how the machines work, you know, it really was like physically things had to get going. And uh, before it worked, the, the the mixing desk would, would actually kick into gear and and paddles would move, you know, and I know that sounds, I mean, no, it's, it's so true. I've been to a couple of mixing sessions and even though it's all digital now, you know, when you see the panels moving, it is kind of cool. You're yeah, just yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it was cool then. It's still cool now. I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I think I think almost now that we're all into virtual box and full of all the tools. I mean, it almost is. We almost need to break some of that out and have uh, have some sliders moving on our desk. Just to- <laughs> exactly <laughs> for sure. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So it seems like we kind of have a similar path. We came more from editorial or uh, online. How was your transition into flame, like compositing? What was that like? Oh, I mean, for me, it wasn't too bad because, I mean, again, for me, it was more of a path of available technology. You know, I mean, okay. right at the beginning at the TVP days, uh, we would edit and compile and make the films all ourselves and and you know there would be a struggle sometimes a struggle certainly early days struggle to get some kit and you'd you know we would be eyes wide open with the foray desk that kind of did a, a star wipe you know and, and i mean no but you would always be trying to get something on screen that was more than the technology you had available to do so so the transition for me into so Picardy, for instance was uh that they had you know gazillion new bits of kit that I'd never worked before. So, you know, getting into that, especially, I mean, not necessarily the flame side of things, but, but getting into that was just, a, was great because I got into trying to get more on screen that I wanted to get on screen than I could because the technology was there. But even, even early days of that, I remember we had a, 
you, you might not remember these deaths, but there was the Abacus. Um, oh, I don't know. I might get the numbers wrong, but it was an A53 and an A57. They were, and these were the two sort of DVE, they called They were sort of DVE mixing desks. And, and the one that we had in the main suite in Picardy didn't have the ability to defocus anything. So, you know, we, we couldn't, like nowadays, blur is, yeah, blur. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't do anything. So, and I, I had this job where um, I really wanted to kind of get this soft-edged um, oh, effect on the film. I knew there's a company down the road that had this, and and we were sort of in competition with this, and and I, and it was like didn't want to kind of tell anybody that we couldn't do this. So, so I ran cables down to one of the you know down to the corridor down to the other suite and set up a camera whilst I recorded the screen. Uh, of, and fed it back into the mix desk to get there. So I, I guess I guess that's uh, that's amazing. The transition into at that time it was um, Quantel stuff, edit box, Earth, uh, I forgot his name. Uh, the transition to that was was that somebody was willing to buy into it because obviously I didn't buy it; it was the company. So I had to we had to convince them that that was a good idea. But it it really was like, whoa, whoa great. What does this do? What can I do with this? And you know, so so you transition into it was like, well, there's all the tools, new tools. Let's try stuff, and then you play with it and find your way. And uh, you know, I mean, I I think I slightly probably I probably suffered from not having too many teachers at, at, at that level, you know, because I, I kind of had to okay, so lock myself in. Um, yeah, you had to like figure yeah. it out because <laughs> yeah. you were already at that level. Yeah, you you were kind of leading the charge, the pack at that well, company. I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think also the company had spent all their money on the kit, so they weren't they weren't they weren't spending in <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not. I've heard of edit edit box, right? You said edit box, yeah. Edit box, yeah. So that was more online, but it seems like it had some compositing oh, yeah, no, or really, effects you could do. Yeah, no, I mean, it was layers. You know, it was the first time you could not, it was a non-linear compositor that, that was, you know, it was doing a good job fighting against the, the flight. It was, it, you were either, it was Harry's and Henry's and, and edit box was this, was this sort of smaller brother, if you like, had less layers and such. But it, I had a, I mean, I had a fair fight with, Entry level flame sort of stuff when flame was first pushing forward. Uh, for okay. sure. I mean, the thing with the edit box, which is kind of hilarious when I, when I think back, it, it didn't have any undos. Oh man, I mean, okay. not, not a one. It was... So you just had to start over if something got screwed up. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man, yeah, okay. Yeah. Curious, how many times did that happen where you're like, oh, now I got to go back? <laughs> I don't remember happening that often, but I do, and, and, and as was of, often the case, I remember very much one time when uh, I was meant to be, I was meant to be leaving, it was Friday, obviously, it's always a Friday. Of course. I was meant to be leaving to go up north to see my dad um, uh, to a, a fishing trip, and, the, uh, and we were doing this job, and it was all really good fun, it was, you know, hard, but good creative kind of development, and, and it was, we pushed through, and I can't remember what time, but it was early hours, it was certainly early hours when it was like, do you know what? That's great. We're done. Fantastic. And the guy left. Um, okay. And I don't quite know what happened, but when I went back to the machine, it, it wasn't there. Oh no! All the work was not, you know, you know, because it was all held in a clip, effectively, and that clip just wasn't oh. there. So, so I then had to, sp- <laughs> so I then had to spend the rest of the time uh, rebuilding what I knew we'd done. But luckily, I mean, once you've done it once, you know that, you know, it's not quite as. It's not quite yeah. as, it's quicker. It's quicker that way. 
No, right. It is true. Yeah, yeah. And you might actually approach it and you're like, oh, wait, this might be a better way to do it anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard some stories. I don't know if it was Harry or Henry, but yeah, if, if you didn't archive out or save the night if and then the night shift comes in, you're screwed. All yeah. your work is gone because yeah. it only had a certain amount of frames. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was back. That was just when uh, edit box, uh, edit box, it was uh, paint box had... I remember just before we got edit box and we had a paint box and uh, the graphics chat was really quite excited by the fact that we could play 30 seconds. Oh, right. Wow. Right. I mean, that's just, it's mind blowing, right? <laughs> that's all you had. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess was, the transition yeah. into it was very much like, you know, it was like a waterfall of like new tech. Great. I'll use that new tech. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't sort of a, I don't know how the transition was. Um, I was, you know, we were all hungry for it, and if you fed us with new tech, we would eat it up. Yeah, eat it up. Yeah, and just keep improving. So when you first jumped onto a flame, were there certain things where you're like, "Oh, I could now do this"? Because it was still layer based, right? It, like there was action, but there wasn't batch, right? That's right? No batch and no timeline. Yeah, and no timeline. Yes, exactly. Um, I so when so because it was after I left there I'd spent a, a few years in different places and uh, freelancing and then I ended up in a, a part of Saatchi's that and and it was it was there that we convinced the the people that you know you know what let's buy a flame and uh, but I, again I was a, a senior in the company such that I you know I, I didn't have somebody to tell me what to do you know? <laughs> so, yeah yeah so it was like oh my gosh that's so, hard so so it was it was kind of like well i i know i know what i want to do so where's all that stuff how do i get yeah where's yeah what buttons do i click to accomplish this yeah so i'm sure you were reading that thick manual yeah. just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly exactly that yeah yeah but i, I mean the, the the best learning curve for me on that was we picked up a, a couple of projects that were quite uh, intimidating at the time, and the uh, and we had um, sort of a, a flame up roto artist that it, it came in and helped, and it was it was it was hard that sort of made sense of some of it by kind of doing stuff in the way that she had been trained how to do it, and I was like, because I never even thought about doing that, way. and it was all oh, right, that well, that, yeah, okay, that's how you uh, that makes sense, you know, I, and then you sort of reverse engineer what's how it's all meant to kind of go together. Oh, that's so cool. But we did some, I mean, we, you know, the guys at Autodesk, well, it was discreet back then, but they, they, you know, we did a couple of taster courses and such like, you know, uh, with, with them. Um, and they were good. I mean, uh, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't completely uh, rudderless. Um, right. Right. But still, I mean, it's, it's fun, very complicated software to just dive into. I think it's so, good. I mean, it's like any software, I guess. It's like if you if you know it can do it, yeah, and you and you roughly know what you want to do, yes, uh, then you know you'll find a you know, and you spend enough time, you know, you'll find a button. Yeah, it was a it was a great job. I did well. Not I, well, I thought it was a great job. It was, um, but it was another one of those one of those jobs that when I told anybody about it, they went, "You, you did what now?" What, what did you do? <laughs> really? Okay. Well, what was not, it? Not because it was like on any creative, like genius level, but, but it was it was a project that was all shot in super, on Super Eight, and uh, oh, that sounds and, awesome already. Well, it, it, it was yeah. awesome, but then the, the director was like, "Right, it came in as a sort of straight, like conform and you know, 
looked good anyway. And then then we were kind of playing around with stuff. And it was like, oh, wouldn't it be good? And so we just we sort of came up with this plan that we would sort of mask out. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, most of their, their plan, but I mean, I was yeah I was part of the yes guy uh, <laughs> to mask out all of the band members. Uh, so that they were sort of black, you know, blacked out kind of figures. Oh, and, um, yeah. And it, I mean, it's not nothing very tricky about it, apart from the fact that it's super eight. It's so oh, long. Gosh, it, I know. So it was just it was a it was a hard slog, and it, and it made me. Do you know what it did? It definitely made me learn quite quickly some of the tricks to rotoscoping. Oh, okay, okay. What I'm just curious because I, there's many ways to approach rotoscoping. Uh, how how did you what what did you pick up from that job? I'm uh, curious. Well, well, I mean, so from that job, I, I picked up that doing anything complex with one shape was a stupid idea. Okay. And yes. I, yes. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I mean I, you know, even though I was on my career uh, ladder by that point, I still wasn't um, uh, so sophisticated with the the ins and outs of, of a flame so so the things i learned probably weren't gonna aren't gonna blow your mind you know there they were but so things like you know if you want to rotoscope somebody then start start with the moving parts and then you know and axis them from where the joins are in the body uh yes that's the trick right there it's the joints yep yep i yeah a friend of mine showed me that a few years back and you're just like okay why didn't i think of that before because this it's just so much faster and it makes more sense well it, it means that you know with you move it where the hat, you know, if you've got if you've got these joints all done, they move it where the arm goes, and and everything's come with it. And the likelihood of that changing is, you know, it will change, but it's not going to change every frame from there to you know. There's, it's you attack it. To, I mean, it's in a in a sort of global, I guess, VFX point of view, looking down on that sort of idea, it does sort of all, you know, it's all about the real world, isn't it? I mean, it's all about how. Well, how does it work? How 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 is that working in the real world? World is it? You know, it's the guy moving or the girl, the body moving, the shoulder which moves the arm. So then, if you pin it all there, then that you're you're getting towards what you need to do. You know, and I think that's sort of a kind of the real world mantra that I keep sort of talking about um, when I'm talking about VFX. Is like you know, you watch what the how does it work in the real world? Try and emulate as much as possible. Or, or at least break down what's important about that uh, and use it. That, that's great. Yeah, the Mark Larue. He he's been on the podcast and he had a Logic Live uh, recently, and he was the one who showed me that. And he comes from more of a three D background, so for him it was like rigging. You know, it was like rigging a character, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I never, I never thought about that <laughs> until he showed me. So. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's that's it. But interestingly, you know, I, I, I'm not very good about. I, I, I sometimes regret not getting deeper into 3D when, when you know, when you look at it like, oh, it's just reinvent it from scratch. Look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, the, but interestingly, you know, I, I've, I'm all right at rigging because exactly because of that. Yeah, for sure. Were there any other milestones um, during your, or, you know, your flame career that you hit that kind of propelled you to be a better artist? Like, do you um, remember anything of like, I don't know, like the getting more into 3D tracking or just stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I've 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 been a little lazy in 3D tracking. I do I do that, but actually, we I've always sort of been with around people that are 
better at it than yeah than, like, like you'll get tracks and then you can just implement it yeah for sure not recently but I, I i do love getting into a good 3d scene in the flames so much such that it just you know the flames sort of fall over or have have fallen over quite often because of the memory kind of collapses because i know got too many geos hanging around there but um yes. so i love it i love about that i mean is it is it being a change of moment let me think there's um uh i mean the change I, I, what what has been interesting in my i guess my flame specifically flame career has been the changing of company you know of companies or of, or or of groups of people i'm working with you know and because everybody i suppose i suppose when i when i first got involved with a flame it was like i say it was it, there wasn't many other people in the company that knew so i was self surfing a little bit um uh, and then when i moved from there i moved to uh rushes everybody was more experienced on the flames than i than i was and and so i like you know so it was quite a relief to you know to be able to ask somebody or to open a to open a script and kind of go all oh, right you've done it that way and then not necessarily do it that way but at least understand oh, okay well i'll do it this way but that but that's you know understand you could steal things the, yeah, yeah yeah you just you kind of open your eyes to what other people are doing and the, and the same when i moved from rushes to glassworks where i am now i mean there was so many people there that had come from different companies that all had slightly different you know um ways about them i mean I, yeah I actually learned more in terms of flame off of um, a young guy called uh, uh, Diego, uh, who, <laughs> who's is uh, in Mex back in Mexico. But he, I mean, he's because he was just he was very experimental. So so he would he would break break things by doing them in a different way, and and that for me was quite interesting. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's really cool. What, what broke it uh, without breaking? Yeah. Very so nice. Was, Very- so, so I guess that, that I mean those were the changes, and I think I think getting just more senior and getting into uh, getting into having a more of a say about how things were shot and and being on set and stuff that all sort of helps because you start you know you start kind of playing the two together much much. Yeah, better. I know. Yeah, I, I'd love to talk about that. Was there a specific project that you became more of a VFX supervisor or like? Yeah, how did that transition go? And then, what was your experience like? Because I've been on set a few times. You know, it's it can be a little crazy. <laughs> it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we're we're all well. I think seasoned flame ops certainly all seem to have a certain way about them, and it's a lot of you know out outside outer confidence. Uh, you know, a belief in what they're saying is probably true. Right, right. But, but the more I know them, us, uh, I realize that almost everybody's, you know, is kind of making it up based on what they think might be true, as opposed to kind of really knowing the answer and kind of going, "Do you think? Oh, I could probably, yeah, that would work." Yeah. So I kind of yeah, right. <laughs> totally. But, but the more you do, then the more confident you are that that is the right answer. And then you know, there's or, you know, or there's a different way of doing it that we could try. But this is you know. This is the way that I would do it. So, so I suppose, um, how did I get into VFX supervising? No, there wasn't one project. There was, I guess, I again, it's that sort of thing. I, I when I was at Rushes, more so, I did quite a lot of really quite deep dive music videos. So there was like there was no money, there was no time, and you know, oh. so so <laughs> you know, and I, actually at at Rushes, they because there was 
quite a lot of senior, like more experienced, slightly older flame ops who didn't really want to do the music videos. And I was, you know, I wasn't young, but I was keen. And uh, uh, and so I would put, I would, I would be doing these things. And, and, you know, it meant you worked all night doing it, but also it meant you got in the shoots and you had much more, because at that time, especially, you got much more, in in with the director at, at their side about certainly about how the VFX could help them with the music video. And it still it still works today, and I'm still doing that. But but specifically at an earlier part of career, I got in there because yeah, not many other people at the company necessarily wanted to be doing those projects. So I was doing all of those projects, and so that gave me a big wave of you know being. Um, oh being, my god. Although I was, I mean, I've been on set all my life, so it's not, it wasn't a big thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy. I mean, and that was the, probably the height of the music video era too. It was quite, I mean, it was quite, yeah, it was quite, yeah, I mean, it was, there was, you know, we were, yeah, we were doing quite, quite cool things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any, any specific music, because I love music videos. Were there any ones that stand out to you where you're like, wow, that was, despite the crazy hours and all of that, you're like, that was really cool. I think they were all pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I like. Okay. Well, I mean, I think. I, I mean, I did I did quite a few for uh, Dougal Wilson in his early days of okay. through the ranks. Um, so I kind of like them because they're all quirky and exciting and interesting and and you know and unusual to do. Um, yeah, and I know. I I can't say I have one particular. There was. I mean, I, I keep going back to them. They're they're all good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. They're all good. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, okay. They're not all good, but but they're all. They're all part of a great experience. I, I really, right. you know, as yes. a package, I enjoy. I, I, I looked back in a couple of them the other day, and, and I was slightly cringing at some of the some of the effects <laughs> work. But so I'm not saying right. that. Yeah. However, it was fun doing it. And, That's yeah. cool. That's so cool. Um, and I know you then transitioned to Glassworks, and when I first heard about Glassworks, it was through a, a Chris Cunningham oh, yeah. music video. I think it was, yeah, did you happen to work on that or know people no, that worked was, on that? That was uh, a bit, uh, a couple of years before my, before I arrived. Okay. Yeah, no, that was, okay, gotcha. uh, yeah. but that was, yeah, no, that's, de- that's definitely been, um, yeah, that's, they, they did. Yeah. They did quite a yeah, lot. Yeah. Some cool work. Yeah. Yeah. No, was- and I, I think even Chris Cunningham said he was like, Oh my God, like without Glassworks, this wouldn't have been, anything because it basically they turns almost 35 millimeter stills into motion you know <laughs> yeah. but again it's i mean it's again back to that thing of you know uh taking something and working with the director to make it as they want it you know but without you know i mean i think collaboration with the director you know you get directors that come and say what they want and then you say something about how it possibly can't do that way and all they hear is it's a, you know what they want it to be, and, and that that can work. They're going to be disappointed if if you don't have the time or the resource, uh, you know, or the footage to do it. Then you have to do it in a different way. And I think it's when VFX and directors understand the the compromise that uh, that a compromise isn't necessarily you know lead to a worse thing. It could lead to a better thing. You know, I think I think that's that's okay. when things get exciting. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah. So I did some uh, IMDb research and I, I noticed you worked on Hard Candy. Oh, yeah. That, was, in... that was a while ago. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also want to bring it up because I don't know if this is true, but was that the first feature film to have a full DI for color grading? Oh, 
Oh, plus, oh, there you go. And I, I wanted to bring it up because I wasn't sure if that changed how VFX worked. Uh, I mean, it's quite possible. Um, uh, it was, no, I can't remember who, if, if it was Mark Gethin or. Uh, I think it, oh, no, no, no. It was, uh, oh gosh, I forget. He worked at, um, I think it was at MPC. It was, it's like a French name. Oh yeah, it was, uh, Jean, uh, Jean Clement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jean, yeah. Uh, so it was, the director was David Slade and, and uh I'd done quite a lot of his music videos and a, a few of his commercials. I mean, he's he's awesome in, in all sorts of ways. He was and he's based. He was based here. He's now in LA, uh, okay. uh, but he's got a great a great mind. That's a storyteller, but also you know kind of interesting and dark and all sorts of things. Okay, <laughs> right. but yeah, no, that was that was his first feature film, uh, and up to that point, he had he'd only done. Um, uh, some music videos and some commercials, yeah, and and it was so. I'm not, but I can't remember if it was the first DI. It might be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I know the Cohen brothers had done a DI, but it was only for certain scenes on Oh Brother Where Art Thou. And I, I swore I had read. I'll have to do some more research to see, but I just wasn't sure if that was the case. If deliverables were different for you on that film, because you know back then it was like, oh, you had to go out to thirty, you know, print out to thirty-five. You know, and- uh, I, I I remember working on it, and it was in it was in Russia's when we worked on that, and um, and uh, it was all done on the Inferno, um, and oh yeah, I I can't remember how it was then delivered to us. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I was I was just curious if it was like maybe a shift where you're like, oh wow, this is where the industry is headed, or <laughs> it, it didn't. I mean, it didn't change the way I worked. Yeah. Okay. But but also I've got to say in terms of the the overall show there wasn't so much VFX in that one. I mean there was there was a bit of you know I, I, we recreated some screens and such like. Um, okay. I'll look into it though. I mean I can't, yeah no no it, it it didn't it wasn't a big it wasn't a big wow this is all different. But to be fair it was I think apart from some titles on. What had I done before then? I did some titles on um, King Arthur. King Arthur, yeah, that's it. And uh, that might be a little bit after. But but apart from that, I didn't really have that much experience in the sort of film deliverable side of things. So, ah, but yeah, but also I don't think Hard Candy went to cinema. Really? Okay. I I mean, when I saw it, yeah, it was just at my house, so it was probably like DVD or something. But. It might, it okay. might have done. I mean, it's, I think, I think I'm going to look it up now. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I also noticed you worked on one of my favorite shows, Black Mirror. Can you? Uh, I would love to hear any stories or, or just maybe some of the episodes you worked on because I, I think I've seen every single one except I haven't seen. Is it Bandersnatch? I still Bandersnatch. haven't seen that one. Okay. Well, I mean, interesting. Yeah. My, my, I guess one of my favorite ones was Bandersnatch because. Oh, okay. The, okay. So I got to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing about Bandersnatch also is it's a it's an interactive one. So it's it was the that's right. It was the it's it was sort of Netflix wasn't first because they'd done some interactive before, but it was the it was the most. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a most re- relevant for their viewers in terms of an interactive yeah. show, and and what was what's quite cool about it is the um, uh, it's it's also a, it's a film version, so it's a 
longer than than the other oh okay so it's like an hour and a half or something yeah like that. yeah but it's also okay. as you put i mean it's also david slade directing that one as well which is kind of quite a nice line. oh okay now i, I definitely have to watch it yeah, so <laughs> i don't cool. know how I, I missed that one <laughs> so that was really cool I, I really enjoyed i really enjoyed that one and and a lot to do with the fact that i mean there's lots of this because it was old friends back together and russell mclean who produced it was a very old friend of mine who came down to london oh. scotland about the same time so p- partly oh. and john clement graded it and you know there's so the the whole team back together yeah from different very nice so that, i really enjoyed it from that point of view um but I all but also i mean it was but also it was a big project but i mean we were sole vfx on it so i was um VFX soup on the whole thing which and some of it was very challenging, but it wasn't like a unwieldy amount. So you could focus your time. I mean, it ended up quite a lot of other stuff going on, but but the actual meat of the VFX, um, you could, you know, it, it was complex, but it didn't, you know, and, it, and interesting to do. Um, and one of the big scenes, well, one of the interesting big scenes was the mirror sequence where he crawls through the mirror. And of course, you know, you, uh, we had to sort of recreate that, and and coming up with a concept of how to do it was quite interesting and challenging. But we ended up shooting it in three cameras, and then uh, sort of projecting two of the cameras and rebuilding uh, onto a three D version of himself. So it's all all that kind of complicated, optically based, but still deep three D. Oh wow! You know, um, unpicking it, you know. So it was it was good. It was really challenging and really interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. I definitely have to check that out, and I'll be on the lookout for that sequence. Was that was that done in flame, or was that nuke? That, at least that sequence. So that sequence is flame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very nice. What was interesting, I think, about and what I've used flame for through the long form sort of side of things is some of you have used it just flame to get through, get us through sequences that I just that I need to feel my way around because I'm not as much as I know them both. I'm I'm much you know, I'm quicker and more comfortable, more comfortable yeah. with, with a flame. Um, but, but what I find it, what I've been using it for in the long form side of things is sort of a heavy in the loop development side, you know, with, okay. as a, as a VFX supervisor tool. So I can try some stuff out, pull things together, you know, find a look out of something that doesn't necessarily have to stay that way, but it starts a conversation, you know, so taking it in and, uh, you know, doing little cuts. I mean, on, on the, Bandersnatch stuff actually we very early days before before even production started there was a whole conversation with the because it's interactive there's a whole conversation about how the, the the points where you come and choose the interactive points where you've got to choose now you know how that kind of worked and and just to kind of try and get the conversation going uh, I sort of um, I borrowed some of my production days Oh, inspiration cool. and, and sort of shot some sequences on a on you know on a DSLR and then cut it together with it you know so and cut it in the flame and you know so so used it as as a, a couple of different techniques of how the cut would work you know how and not you know nobody's going to go that's absolutely it but it's all then a conversation piece of you know that sort of works oh that sort of works and and so you know so having timeline having comp having 3D all all in one place is really you know, it's helpful. It's it's amazing. I know. Yeah, you were almost doing like a previs yeah. for it. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I've heard a lot about, you know, 
maybe because we do use flame uh that's what we're comfortable with but yeah a lot of vfx supervisors do their look dev in flame and then it might get finaled and nuke later on but yeah yeah a lot of the look dev goes through that i think it's partly because and and this is something i'm quite interested in fleshing out with educators actually but it's, it's, it's partly because the skills that you have either that you've got because you've been a flame op and had to pull lots of things together and been involved in different layers of the project means that you kind of yeah i mean not all flame ops are equal obviously some of them aren't very good at this but but generally with those layers of skills and different sort of avenues of knowledge then you can more easily have a a good opinion on the bigger picture so that sort of does lend itself to going into more vfx supervising in 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 many ways um so i think that's interesting because I, i'm kind of quite keen on yes focusing on when i'm looking for people yes focusing on yeah would love to hire some flame ops uh, especially <laughs> junior ones where you kind of want to teach them but also they need to know some but but there is no junior flame ops so so but i think it's interesting to see to work out that it's not it's not flame ops that we necessarily need new in the market and i'm talking about we as in everybody it's sort of people that have got lots of these skills or 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 understand how the pile of of uh skills all sit together in a whole production and i think that understanding is very powerful and and interesting and i think yes flame is a is the best if not you know certainly one of the best well it's not it's the best place to have all of these in yeah. one place <laughs> but, but yes but oh, for it's sure. the skills that we're hiring for not the machine you know and i think that's something that's quite worth right looking at. if someone invented another machine that did had all the things in one place that didn't fall over um that did that then then people with that skills could use that one you know it, it's yeah of course of course so so yeah so yeah it's more of yeah training the artist and then you know the tool you're right like tools yeah. can change but if you have that foundation you know we, you can we've on only that. we've only you know we're only talking about i do confuse some people when i'm trying to decipher between the skills of a flame up and a flame up um because yeah but it's only confusing because we've lived for the last 10 years with only one bit of kit that sort of is a flame in any sort of manner you know so it's it's only one place that it all stays together you know if if we lived in a place in a time when there was two of these we wouldn't call them and look for a flame up we would call them i'm looking for a or whatever whatever yeah yeah, so i think it's and when i'm talking to i'm trying to talk to more people in education about training for those people uh i just it's just a kind of yeah. quite keen to talk about what the skill bases are as opposed to flame ops you know because i quite i would like them to kind of understand that it's a group of skills as opposed to a single piece of software true true yeah i see what you mean well speaking of that i'm sure you've trained a lot of uh, up and coming flame artists uh, who are probably now senior now and all that uh, what for for someone for someone coming in where do you think they should focus? Like someone just starting on flame, like what do you think the best place to start is? Cause it is so vast. I mean, there's timeline, there's batch, there's, you know, within batch, you got to know Roto tracking all of this, but is there like kind of like 
some foundational places where they could start? I think it depends on, I mean, again, it sort of depends on which company you're in, but, but, but as a, okay. I mean, I, I, it's surprising because I've been thinking about this uh, 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 quite a lot recently, especially because just because in, uh, engaging in educational people who educate, then you, you kind of have to sort of start breaking it down a little bit yeah. more in your head. But interestingly, and it surprised me, I started coming to the conclusion that a, a great place to start is in the timeline. Okay. It's it's not necessarily as in in a timeline to do heavy effects. A, a useful use at a junior level is somebody who can run timelines um, and help with the, the sort of the so IO, the prep stuff and yep. conforming and, you know, um, and even running timelines for the, that, uh, for dailies or for, you know, for, um, oh, updating yeah. timelines just to show on bigger, on bigger projects, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's smaller projects that are two week, you know, in t- intensive two week, three week, uh, all timeline, all flame, all 2d, whatever you want to call it, uh, that, you know, that, that's not that handy for a junior person to hold a timeline because it's quite intense. What I'm talking about is maybe bigger, longer form projects where you've got a rolling timeline that's updated every uh, few days, if not a week, but you've also got kind of um, deliverables that are going out to show client. And so I, I think that's quite a useful skill. I would hire somebody junior who could do a timeline if if I if I could see them Agreed. with potential to use that time wisely, understand the kit slowly, so they're not intensely having to find all the nodes in the right place. Oh yeah, but also start and use it to kind of dip into you know more and more um, yeah, like compositing, intense compositing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea because I think what Flame also gives you is the context of the whole project. So when you're in timeline, okay, this shot's before this shot. Whereas I feel like maybe with, if you start in nuke and you're just shot based, you're just kind of focused on that one shot. You're not really focused. I'm maybe, maybe that's not the case, but in long form, but maybe commercials, I just feel like, okay, here's my shot. Okay. What are my tasks? Da, 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 da. But you're not thinking, wait, what's the shot before? What's the shot after? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's is, it is tricky, isn't it? Because I mean, I think that's, uh, yeah, no, completely that. I mean, they, 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 but equally, and it's also why it surprised me that I came to this conclusion. Maybe it's because it's, you know, I'm doing much more sort of supervision, although I'm still in the box, but, but you know, the teams are a little bit bigger and such like. So, because I always used to kind of, I mean, it was talked about years ago that I should give, a t- you know, the timeline to the smoke ops whilst I did the compositing. And, and that, to me, as I put something in, I want to see the balance of the piece. But yeah, but, uh, but it's, I sort of, my, my opinion slightly changed there. I mean, yeah, I think with the, you're right about getting, getting too intense in one single shot. Uh, I think that's, that's true too. And I think that's the, that's the joy. That's, that's why I think people who are more, have done more flame projects, um, are more likely to kind of move into sort of supervision because of the slightly more um, top line kind of view. For sure. And then you're also more in contact with, if you work in commercials, the agency and whatnot. So you could kind of not say you have like a name brand, but people go, oh, such, oh, I worked with such and such. Hey, let's bring them on set the next yeah, one. You, or, you also you need, to have, yeah. you need to hold a conversation a little bit as well. I suppose that's, that's, that's yes, yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, now that you're kind of supervising more, you did say you're still on the box. I'm curious, um, how often do you get to composite? Because it's it's hard running a show. You know, there's a lot of emails, calls, and uh, dailies, and all this. Like, how do you have time to sit down and composite, or is it mostly after hours? <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it is almost always after hours. I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's surprising. I mean, thankfully, I've got faster at it, so <laughs> so I can, I can I can get things a bit more compressed. I mean, I guess it's um, okay. Yeah. I mean, we're playing with different ways of doing that i mean on on yeah on the last commercial fairly big commercial project i i it was my ceo had sort of said yeah should we should we try something that you you know try something different and and i wasn't the lead on that well i wasn't the lead flame on that i, I was a sort of creative lead uh help part you know involved okay. in that sort of level of things uh and um yeah it was interesting because i still did a couple of of the comps, but, but actually I realized that as soon as I, it was, it, it went really well. Um, and I managed to do that job plus look after a couple of other things that were mm-hmm. uh, earlier on in production. So it was, uh, uh, and it, it sort of did work. Oh, wow. Um, until I took on a couple of the bits of compositing. Cause I thought, oh, well, I'll just do that. Oh, I'll just do that. And all of a sudden, like, Christ, Christ, I've got <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, right, I'm really quite under pressure. You know, the things weren't getting finished in time. You know, everybody yeah. else is finished. Everybody else, no problem. They deliver. We're ready. We're ready. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I've had that same experience where I'm like, I've been the lead on a project. And then it's like, I have three shots. Uh, another artist has three or four. And then another artist has like, say, five. And like, theirs are coming in. And I'm like, trying to update the timeline. But I'm like, oh, God, I got to get back to my shot. To- <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's sort of awkward when you kind of get to the, and 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 then you realize you look in the your shot and it's like a big hole in right. the big hole in the mountain. What the hell's that? I mean, it would be thrown back a couple of times yeah. if, it, if it, anybody else. That's amazing. That's amazing. So good. Uh, is there is there a big difference? I mean, there probably is. You know, going from like a VFX soup to more of a creative director role. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's it's one of those. I mean. I mean, I remember years ago when the, the VFX sort of creative director role was sort of started coming out, and 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 I was quite cynical about the whole concept, you know, that whole how many creative directors do you need in a project kind of thing. But and and in many ways, the sort of creative director role is 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 the sort of commercial equivalent to VFX supervisor role elsewhere. You know, the, it different for different projects i mean i is it different um yeah i mean it is it is different it's different in that yeah much more client not client side but much more ensconced in the deep chats about where we're going with this um and less i guess less just fulfilling feedback um you know so so there's there's a there's a more conversational part of getting the answers and getting the answers earlier as well. I mean, one of the things with the sort of creative director role is trying to, you know, the pitches, trying to get decks together for pitches to, to, to both win the job, but also to kind of show what can happen if we take it a different direction, VFX-wise, you know, and, and uh, sort of exploratory kind of, well, that's good. What about this? You know, what about that? And so, so that sort of side of things sort of rolls forward. But um, 
yeah, I mean, it depends on the project. It's a it's a slightly more involved VFX supervisor role, a bit more client side mixed in with a bit of you know sort of VFX production, I guess, in some ways. Even though we've got producers that are very good and stuff. All right. Well, I have I always ask a few flame specific questions for reels. If you use reels, are you horizontal or vertical? I am horizontal. Always have been. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I have a feeling I know the next answer, but are you smoke or uh, flame hotkeys? I am flame. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I figured starting on flame, you you probably didn't migrate to smoke hotkeys. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm not even very good at hotkeys. To be honest, it's like I, I, you know, it's like I've only just Mo- mostly use like the Wacom to. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I've only I've only just been. It's like someone said because I I lost the. The alt for the center uh, maneuver button. Uh, where's that gone? Oh. And, and, and there was a freelancer who said it's been it's, it's been gone for years. What are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, when it comes to your Wacom or tablet, um, do you keep it in front of your keyboard or off to the side? What do you What do you in prefer? Front. Yeah, in front. Okay. But I I, I got to say I'm slightly tussling with my home office uh, set up with the, the height of chairs and where the keyboard kind of goes. And, and now I'm kind of, I'm, uh, you know, how to light the keyboard so that you can see it when the, when the lights go out and it all goes go out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of which, so are you guys mostly remote or do you go into the office? Uh, we go in, no, we go in, we, we're, we're hybrid working. Well, well we're hybrid. Yeah. So hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. Going, going, when, okay. going when needed. I mean, I, I, I get so much more done at home. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> just, I mean, just the not just not commuting, but also the the ex, you know the. I know people don't like it so much, but the extra chat level is. I just just need to get on with it. You know, when people exactly. want so much out of me in a day, then I, you know, I think then having a having a chat about something is just gonna yeah just gonna mean you're not gonna get it. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Same feelings right there. Yep. Uh, all right. So the last question is when you're in batch compositing, do, do you like prefer the one up or do you have two up or three up? I've heard of some people now using like six up, which is Yeah, cool. I don't have a big enough yeah. monitor for, for more than three up. I mean, I, I do I do generally use one up and I try and clear my screen okay. as much as possible. Um, but uh, I have recently, um, or, or when I'm doing 3D work, uh, I, I start, I do two or three. Okay, cool. Very cool. All right. Well, Duncan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was a blast catching up with you. So thank I you so really much, appreciate Jamie. it. Well, I appreciate you asking. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Talk soon. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with Roto, Paint, 3D Match Mover, Cleanup, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com. And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, cleanup, nuke for flame artists, mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. 
So check out logicacademypro.com. Thank you for listening.